0: Welcome to a series of talks about objective consciousness, an objective universe, and an objective way to awaken. Expanding upon the works of George I. Gurdjieff and Russell A. Smith, in this podcast we will take a little diversion and discuss the concept of the evolution of dimensions, of how two simple things become the all, and how a new way of thinking may help clarify how reality is perceived. This podcast requires support from animations, and as such, it is advised to view the podcast page found at thedogteachings.com before listening to this podcast. Russell. I must admit that the following brilliant formulations were not made by me, but by Gary Eccleton, who is rapidly becoming a mini-me. What an amazing man he is. He can make things go up and down. Whereas, I can only draw straight lines down a page. Not to mention the fact that he administers the website, narrates the podcasts, and has time to comprehend 11 different dimensions and formulate the universe, as well as everything that is within it, from the beginning to the end. Way to go, Gary. So, without further ado, take it away, Gary. Gary. Let's start with a thought experiment. A question. If the universe is fractal and all parts represent the whole, did the whole shape the parts? Or did the parts shape the whole? A little like the chicken and the egg question, there is no plausible beginning, no prime cause. The aim of this is not to evoke an answer, but to lead the mind into a particular way of seeing things. Ways that have been alluded to symbolically, such as in the yin-yang symbol. In one's beginning is one's ending, and in one's ending is one's beginning. On the podcast page on our website for this podcast, there will be a number of animations and charts. The first one is yin-yang, with yin becoming yang and yang becoming yin. When seen this way, we may notice that there is no start and there is no end, just an oscillation between two states, and this applies to everything we experience. Without light, no darkness. Without high, no low. Without hot, no cold. Without near, no far. Without stillness, no movement. Without noise, no quiet. This, too, must pass. Each opposite is brought into existence by the reversal or ending of its opponent. Noise ends quiet, and quiet ends noise. So, there is no point in ever holding on to one part of this endless oscillation. No point in thinking things are only this way when by law, they must also at some point go that way. Just observe the endless dance of opposites interchanging, and cease identifying with any of it. After all, sooner or later, it's going to end, and will be the very thing it was not. Remember also, if things do not change, we become numb to them, and cease to notice them. So, as well as being inevitable, change brings awareness. If things change too much, we cease to notice them as well. It's hard to see anything in a forest if we shake our heads. But, if we remain perfectly still and soften our gaze, we will notice every movement. Only when we cease moving can we see what is really moving. Recognizing that everything oscillates we can now take a little journey through dimensions, from points, to oscillations, to higher dimensions, with just two simple principles, the particle and the wave. Let's begin with no dimensions, nothingness, the void, no time, no space, no mass, nothing. Dimensions. Zero. Now, let's imagine that nothing begins to oscillate. We now have a pendulum animated, moving side to side in one dimension. This can be found on the page for this podcast on our website and at the link shown on this podcast. The animation shows a point oscillating in a repeating pendulum motion. And not only side to side, but also up and down. And note that when we see the same oscillation plotted over time, a sine wave appears. The next animation is an oscillating point, but moving vertically. Where there are more dimensions, there is more meaning. A point oscillating in two dimensions together will outline a circle. The next animation shown is of two concurrent points oscillating up and down, and left and right, creating a circle together. Perhaps this is what is meant by the circular symbolic everything that we find in the Enneagram. A preview, a pre-dimension. This could be referred to as the symbolic dimension. A dimension of particles, oscillations, waves and spirals, but one without any form. What now if this dimension begins to oscillate? From zero dimensions, we go to one dimension and then to two dimensions and create a circle from waves. Imagine this group of three dimensions, zero, one and two, as a unit, a particle. This is ultimately represented by a single circle. This particle begins to oscillate. An oscillating circle, in both size and time, will create a sphere. On the podcast page, we show the animation of a sphere formed from oscillating circle sizes. Thus, the next two dimensions, three and four, are physical space and time. The symbolic dimension, plus two more, create the physical dimension. These physical particles begin to oscillate and move in space. Their very being requires time to justify once not-being, but also where they now are. By oscillating the circle in three dimensions, three points oscillating, we create a sphere. From one state to another, we create time, the fourth dimension, explaining how this sphere can both be and not be, not at the same time, but because, over the span of time, it both doesn't exist and exists. The symbolic dimension becomes the physical dimension, and now becomes the dimension of the physical universe. Particles and waves colliding, coalescing, and evolving over time. Particles that make up an object in space and time, and also that object moving in space and time. We can observe matter oscillating in the physical universe, and we can observe existence around us, beginning, ending, and beginning again. Nature displays this often as the seasons change, from winter to spring to summer to autumn and back again. Life oscillates. Subatomic matter oscillates. Everything ultimately oscillates. However, time does not. In this particular dimension, we only experience a forward part of the oscillation. This may be because this is the forward part of the oscillation of the physical universe, which we are currently riding on. Or, perhaps... There is some external force keeping this oscillation moving in one direction. Or maybe there is an antimatter universe that is operating in reverse. The only place this can be realized is in our minds. There is no physical proof of reverse oscillation. So, time becomes the first uniquely subjective dimension in our journey of evolution so far. Maybe this is why Gurdjieff referred to time as the unique subjective. It does not seemingly oscillate back, and it is relative both in space-time and experience. As numerous experiments have shown, at faster speeds, time slows down. And, with perceived experience, an hour with something we enjoy seems like five minutes, but five minutes with something we don't. Seems like an hour. However, whilst seemingly there can be no further development to the dimensions from zero, one, and two dimensions, to that plus three and four dimensions, to that plus five and six dimensions, we can now resolve the time dichotomy, and by doing so, discover the whereabouts of the next two dimensions that make up the next circle of reality. Until we arrived on this planet, conscious life accepted the world as it is. They were what they were, and always did what they always did. That snake bites, that one tries to hide, this animal runs, and this one attacks. Everything had its place, until we came along. As we discussed in podcast series 2, episode 2, The moment we asked the question, what am I supposed to be? We were told all sorts of conflicting and illogical things. We lost our sense of reason. Often magic and superstition was put in place to fill the gaps and to mend the inconsistencies. But more often, that confused matters even more until we either chose to stop asking or were told to stop. If we could remember how things were as well as see how they are, we would gain insight as to how to control or live with them. Memory and knowledge begin to offer advantages. If we knew every reason why something was the way it was, both in terms of its physical structure and makeup, and how it actually arrived in the room at that moment, we would see its objective beginning leading up to its being here today and we would understand it. We would understand why it was here, what it was part of, what it is doing, what it's made of, how it got here, and where it's going. We would see it all. We would even understand why it was doing something. There is no debate on the single path something took to come into being at a particular place and time. Whatever it is, and how it got here, Is what it is. What was in the past is fixed, and all which came before simply became for. Reason is the resolver of the uniquely subjective time. Time, for the physical universe, moves in one direction, but for reason, time moves in reverse. The moment reason appears in the universe, time now Oscillate Backwards Reason is simply time in reverse Where anything can be understood By knowing a something's journey to get here And also its journey of how it came to be We go back in time to where it began And where what made it began Began in itself And the more reason we have The further back we can go And the more detail we can take in. And more importantly, the more capable we are of accepting what is, the more capable we are of becoming impartial to what is. Reason oscillates back in time in the mind, and time oscillates forward in physical reality. The ability for a mind to oscillate in time allows it to also experience movement into the future. Thus, giving conscious, thinking beings the ability to observe, measure, and predict more and more outcomes. This in turn reduces risk and helps propagate the species. The more that is seen and understood with reason, the more that can be seen. The less bias there is, the more options there are to see and experience. Where there is bias, it shuts down perception of options, as some which fall outside what is acceptable, is rejected. Complete impartiality is having completely open and accessible options to reason through. The advent of reason and impartiality brings forth the concept and dimension of possibility, realization and application of options. Dimensions 7 and 8 Possibilities in Space and Time Dimensions 9 and 10 could be those possibilities materialized but outside of our purview they become mere ideas. All things materialized. All possibilities understood. Beyond that unknown. The chart shown on the podcast page indicates the seven layers of blending that result in particles becoming waves and waves becoming particles. Ever bigger, ever more complex, with ever more meaning. The higher our consciousness goes, the more we understand the dimensions below us. In the chart we see seven layers of pairs of dimensions leading from the unknown void through evolutionary existence back to the unknown. Another oscillation. We began this podcast with a thought experiment and we can end with another one. It is based upon an old Japanese koan that says, If a tree falls in a forest and no one is around to hear it, Does it make a sound? Well, without our senses, what would anything be? Let's take a journey and eliminate them, one by one. Firstly, ears. If no one had any ears, then nothing would make a sound, not even a tree falling. It would only be waves of air, compressed and expanded, this could be felt or sensed but with no ears not heard the ability to hear sounds requires the apparatus to hear i.e. our ears without the tools to capture and categorize these alternating waves as volume and tone they would just be air waves not sound waves so imagine no ears Thus, no concept of sound, nor any words to describe sound, and certainly no songs or singing. It would all be just air moving in waves at different frequencies. It would have no meaning. Ears provide the function of interpreting sounds, which are assigned meaning, and are thus heard and understood. With no ears, then sound would not exist as a concept in this universe. The koan can be realized, but it takes one to hear, and without that one, there would be no sound. So, what about seeing the tree fall? That brings us to the second sense, the sense that perceives light in the way that ears perceive sound. Would light actually exist if no eyeballs or retinas had evolved in this universe to perceive it? Imagine if there was no being that knew what light or colour was, and nothing had evolved that could detect light, nor even be aware of its existence. Light would merely be photons in waves, would have a frequency, and perhaps be detectable by machine, But it would not have any meaning, nor would we have any awareness or language for it. It would not exist to us. Light would not exist as a concept in this universe. So, imagine, no eyes, thus no concept of light nor colour, nor any words for them. The koan is further answered by the question of what a tree even looks like, let alone what would be the sound it makes when it falls. Next is the sense of smell. What if there was no such thing as a nose? No nose evolved and nothing evolved to detect odor. Would a smell exist if no nose ever existed? Would there even be words from scents and odours. All these would just be chemicals, vaporising from objects, and they would come, stay or go. But nothing on earth would label them as a smell. So, imagine, no nose, thus no concept of smell or scent, nor any words for it. Smell does not exist in this universe onto the sense of taste. If there were no taste buds, nor tongue, or nose to sense the subtle delicacies of substances, then there would be no taste. It would merely be chemical compositions, some edible, some not. Taste is a function for interpreting chemicals, to assist with eating, to know if something is good or bad, liked or disliked, But without any organ of taste, there would be no sensation of taste, and thus no meaning to it. So, imagine having no tongue, thus no concept of taste, nor any words for it. Taste does not exist in this universe. The next sense is touch. What if there were no nerve endings that could detect heat, cold, texture, Weight, moisture, vibration, movement, relative positioning of self, and self in the world. What if nothing could be sensed by touch? Nothing sensed within or outside the body. No sensation of anything that can be touched. There would be no words to describe any object's form or surface. No meaning ascribed to them. Nothing So, imagine, no nerves that can sense, thus, no concept of touch, nor any words for it. Touch does not exist in this universe. With all those gone, that leaves us with just a sense of self, a sense of being. Now, what if that did not exist? What if we had no awareness of self, or others, or any sense of anything, being? We would just be, or would we not be? Which one? So, imagine, nothing that can sense self or being, thus no concept of anything, nor any words for it. Being does not exist in this universe. Thus, with that realisation, one ceases to be, but still is. A void of unknowing, starting out that way, and perhaps returning to that same source. This can be summed up nicely with a poem by Ronald Knox called... God in the quad. There was a young man who said, God must find it exceedingly odd to think that the tree should continue to be when there's no one about in the quad. Reply. Dear sir, your astonishment's odd. I am always about in the quad, and that's why the tree will continue to be, since observed by yours faithfully, God. And that ends this podcast. Russell. No, wait, Gary. Before we go, we need to analyse and digest your brilliant scenario. Let us go back to the beginning and insert as much as we can until your awesome ideas penetrate our being. First of all, I love the idea that reason is the reversal of time. What a thought! And one that makes perfect sense. Reason is the only thing that can go back through time, can see the beginning from the end, and all the steps and processes that occur along the way. Just brilliant. We, as human beings who possess reason, are all time travellers. And, just like you said, if we can perceive the past, we must also be able to conceive the future. Wow, wow, wow. Come to think of it, what you have described can be seen in the diatonic enneagram, which we explored in podcast series two, Episode 27, called The Enneagram. In it, we found lines of supervision that explored the past, saw the future, and activated the present. I am also taken aback with your description of oscillations and dimensions, not to mention your very helpful animations. Boy, back in the day, I wish I had your abilities. You know, your ideas just might justify string theory, as well as multiple dimensions and universes. Let's start with string theory, as discussed by Andrew Zimmerman Jones and Daniel Robbins in The Basic Elements of String Theory. When the theory was originally developed in the 1970s, the filaments of energy in string theories were considered to be one-dimensional objects, strings. One dimensional indicates that a string has only one dimension, length, as opposed to, say, a square, which has both length and height dimensions. These strings came in two forms closed strings and open strings. An open string has ends that don't touch each other, while a closed string is a loop with no open end. It was eventually found that these early strings, called type 1 strings, could go through five basic types of interactions. And these are shown on the diagram on the podcast page. Type 1 strings can go through five fundamental interactions, based on different ways of joining and splitting. This proved to be important because the closed strings have properties that make physicists believe they might describe gravity. Instead of just being a theory of matter particles, physicists began to realize that string theory may just be able to explain gravity and the behavior of particles. Over the years, it was discovered that the theory required objects other than just strings. These objects can be seen as sheets or brains. Strings can attach at one or both ends to these brains. Russell. Then, they talk about multiple dimensions. Another mathematical result of string theory is that the theory only makes sense in a world with more than three space dimensions. Our universe has three dimensions of space. Left-right, up-down, and front-back. Two possible explanations currently exist for the location of the extra dimensions. The extra space dimensions, generally six of them, are curled up, compactified in string theory terminology, to incredibly small sizes, so we never perceive them. We are stuck on a three-dimensional brain, and the extra dimensions extend off of it and are inaccessible to us. A major area of research among string theorists is on mathematical models of how these extra dimensions could be related to our own. Some of these recent results have predicted that scientists may soon be able to detect these extra dimensions, if they exist, in upcoming experiments, because they may be larger than previously expected Russell comparing their concepts of vibrating strings and multiple dimensions with your exposition I can clearly see in your dissertation everything they talked about as well as envision how string theory supports the emergence of oscillations not to mention that you go way beyond their concept of vibrating strings and explain how the reason in human beings allows us to time travel. In fact, your concept of time being the fourth dimension aligns very well with the idea that as soon as physical matter comes into existence, time emerges as well. After all, regardless of how fast you go, it takes X amount of time to go from one side of something to the other. It is almost as if before physical matter there was no time. However, as soon as you add the third dimension, you add the fourth dimension, time. And inserting that reason is a way to go back in time not only establishes that dimension, but supports it. So, I say, Bravo, Mr. Eggleton. Keep talking with your higher and allowing him to expand your knowledge and being, to the point where, when they usher you in to meet God, you say, Excuse me, sir, but I think you are sitting in my chair. Love, the dog. Okay, Gary, you can now end this podcast. Ah, no, wait. One more thing. I want to add my limerick to this podcast as I cannot be overshadowed by Ronald Knox. Mine too. is kind of about God. I have a great partner named Gary, who always makes sure I don't tarry. He's smart as a whip, and he gives me no lip. If I was a woman, I'd marry. Reply. But Gary said, Russell, that's scary. You've another paper to query. So take hold of your pen, and please write one again, but only what's deemed necessary. Okay, you can now end this podcast. Gary. Thank you, Russell, and to all you listeners. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions that you would like answered, please send them to information at dogteachings.com, and we will endeavour to answer them and include them in future podcasts. And... If you would like to know more about the subjects and exercises we have been exploring, including the book and guide that underpins it all, which is also available for purchase as a new hardback or as a PDF download, you can do so by going to thedogteachings.com. That's T H E D O G T E A C H I N G S dot com. There. You'll be able to obtain Mr. Smith's diagrams, models, videos, and listen to other talks, as well as learn all the mathematics that supports them, and much, much more. But most importantly, you will have real-time access to the materials we are discussing. That's thedogteachings.com. Goodbye. Until next time.